Welcome to Season 2, Episode 14 of the IntelliCast Podcast. My name is Adam Jolly. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Brian Lamar. Hey, Adam. How you doing? I'm doing great. Are you sick? No. <laughs> I, I do not have a weakness. <laughs> With an outbreak in the office. It's, it's perfect because we had a rant. I had a rant a couple weeks ago about being sick. Maybe it was the episode you weren't around. Everybody yeah, in the it office was, yeah. is sick. It was, uh, I think it was Tuesday. There were like five people in the office. Yeah, it's crazy. It was horrible. Thought about shutting the whole thing down, deep cleaning, didn't do it. it. Yeah, put a, like a, one of those bug bombs going off there <laughs> or something. Something. As always, IntelliGas is brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can find us uh, on Twitter, EMI underscore research, IntelliCast1 on Twitter. Um, also, Adam Jolly, all one word on Twitter. And if you want to become a guest, uh, an IntelliGast, if you will, <laughs> onto the podcast, uh, or if you have a rant, you have a Mount Rushmore, anything you want to talk about, you can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Brian, what's been going on, man? Nothing. nothing I missed really. the last one, right? You, you missed, missed the last one? one? Ah. Um, interviewed Tanya Farrar of Burke, and we promoted MRMW and the Wire event specifically. We I met her at the Wire event. Such a pleasant lady. Oh, my uh, gosh. She's amazing. She's the nicest woman I've ever met in my life. And smartest and also a killer. Shook my hands, looked at me, and I felt like I was the only person in the room. And there yeah. was like 150 people there. Yeah. Man. Amazing. I'm fortunate to have known her for a long time. She's an awesome, awesome lady. Um, along with that, let's just do a recap. MRMW, how was it for you? My first MRMW. Awesome. Yes. Okay. Amazing. Um, I liked it. It was it was one room, so it was kind of a smaller conference. It wasn't like a big one like Quartz or TMRE or IEX. It was a small right. one room, but it really added to it. It was still quick, short presentations, 20 to 30 minutes. So if there was a topic you weren't interested in. It was easy in, easy out, but there were a ton of awesome presentations. My favorite part was um, the corporate speakers. So that's TM Hour, Charlie Rader, PNG, and um, the Royal Caribbean people were there. Um, Melanie Cedar, I think is her name, and a, yeah. a guy named Anya um, from Royal Caribbean, talking about innovation and artificial intelligence. Um, they are they are geniuses and um, can talk at a, like a normal market research level. And then BMW was presenting about how they're using artificial intelligence and amazing. And not only were there corporate presentations, you know, sometimes you go to conferences and the corporate speakers kind of fly in and fly out, and they're not really there, right? And, Hide their badges. They were they were right. engaged for two days. Wow. There was a table full of PNG people that were center of the room, and they were asking questions. And they were not just presenting and leaving. They were engaged in the topic, asking questions and challenging. That was my favorite part because a lot of times, you know, it's just us suppliers kind of talking to each other, and you know, we kind of need. I mean, the research buyers are so important. We need their feedback and their input. So that was my favorite part. So that's awesome. I hope it stays again in Cincinnati next year. The rumor is it will. Um, I recommend everybody attending because it's um, it's, just, it's great. It's intimate. Only I don't know 150 or so people. Jeez, there. that's great. That's great. And then uh, you wrote a blog about it, right? Yeah, there's a blog on a website about it, similar to what I just said, but a little more long form, I guess. Um, but just an awesome conference. That's great. That's great. Um, let's. Uh, do you have a rant you want to do today? I kind of have a little bit of a rant, yeah. Let's hear it. It's this whole secret events thing that's kind of started burgeoning in market research. Okay. And this happened because we sponsored the Wire event at MRMW, and it was part of the agenda of MRMW, but you had to register beforehand, right? Right. And I don't think most people knew that. So people were showing up all night long thinking, hey, I'm here for this next event, right? Right. And unfortunately, we had to turn people away. And there's become this kind of trend of like secret events. I'm with you. And... 
There was the the one in Chicago that you went to, the um, research club research event club that event. you kind of had. Yeah. It was a little bit under the radar you had to sign up for. There's another one at IEX with like the, the Zappy Store people and their band. That's and right, yeah. there's an SMR luncheon that's like a little bit under the radar. I don't know if you get an invite, but it's like right. all these secret events are popping up. I don't know how I feel about that, but I, I feel like I'm in the know. So I'm usually aware of the secret event. I don't miss out too much at this point. Right. Um, but I don't know. How do you feel about it? Uh, I'm f- I love being exclusive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, yeah, it is interesting because I think it's it's when it's separated out from the conference, like if it's not in your conference agenda that we're going here, then it's different. But at the same time, a lot of times you don't have like an opposing event to it. Yeah. You know, like there's not like the wire event and then also the conference is throwing something at the same time. Yeah. Um, so it is a part of the, I don't know. It's a little weird. Yeah. I, I hate the registering for multiple things. Like yes. to me, it's the reason why I'm not a cord cutter. Right. It's yeah. like I like to go to one place and watch off my shows. Yeah. I don't want to have like 50 different apps that, you know, I need to log into to figure out what I'm going to do on a Tuesday night in Austin. Right. Yeah, I like to be a little more spontaneous. So like I like to go. I want to go to like IEX next week. I want to go to IEX and. I don't want every minute of my day and night taken up by something. I want to have the right. flexibility to, hey, so-and-so wants to have a dinner, and that sounds like a fun time. Let's do that. Sure. I'm, now I'm locked into some you know, private event that now right. I'm going to feel guilty if I back out of. That's the only concern I have about it. Um, I agree. That's a good rant. That's not bad. You want to do an uh, impromptu Mount Rushmore? Yeah, let's do it. I got a good one. Okay. Uh, it's the Easter season. It is the Easter season. This Sunday is Easter. Um, what if we did a Mount Rushmore of eggs? <laughs> what do you think I was going to say <laughs> Mount Rushmore of Resurrections um, uh, no yeah Mount Rushmore of Eggs we could do that pretty quick right Mount Rushmore of Eggs yeah I'll go first oh we're just doing okay All right, uh, yeah first one is Fabergé oh alright <laughs> they're the most expensive jewel in the yeah. world Fabergé eggs number I'm gonna one I'm going to go the deviled egg because nothing says springtime and summertime oh, like man. at a church picnic I can't it's wait to egg. take like the old, the Easter eggs that we have and yeah. what do you do with them now? Cause nobody likes just a regular horrible egg. So yeah. it's like making a deviled egg of it. And that's where I go. Number, my number two is egg salad. Oh, egg salad. Oh, salad. with a little pickle in it. Oh, so good. Right. Ooh, can't Ooh. wait. Yeah. Just, well, I'm just going to go with a traditional boiled egg and put a little salt on it. Oh, maybe a little Worcestershire. Maybe. That's not bad. Hot sauce. But just okay. boil an egg and you eat it. Like I'm with you. Old school. My number three is over medium. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's how I eat my eggs. <laughs> I, eat my I don't eggs like a lot of runniness. Uh, I feel like I'm a master of the. I I go over medium, and I put a little bit of garlic salt in all my eggs on every time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. It's yeah, I was gonna go over medium as well. I'm gonna go with Cadbury. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But are you talking cream filled? Or are you talking like the little milk chocolate ones? Milk chocolate ones. Okay. Cadbury egg. Um, that's my number three. And my last one is the Reese's oh, egg it's cup. so good, right? Yeah, it's the best. I don't know why. Like, they're seasonal. I think maybe they make them more fresh, but the seasonal Reese's cups are the only – I haven't had a regular-shaped Reese's cup in probably 15 years. Yeah. It's either been in pumpkin, egg, or tree form. Yeah. That's nice. My last one is – this reminds me of when I lived in New York. I want to place – you would just go to, like, a little deli on the street and get egg on a roll – and that's like your breakfast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I miss that. That sounds nice right now. Egg on a roll. That's it. Oh, man, that sounds so good. Uh, hey, so speaking of food, we're going to be somewhere next week that's really known for the food, and that's Austin for the IIEX. Yep. Uh, when you get in, Tuesday? 
Tuesday morning, I think the first session is 11 ish. I, I think I landed around 10. We might be on the same flight. Yeah, we are. Um, the first day is like uh, workshops yeah. and those type of things. Uh, what have you gone to those before? I have like, not. I, have, I don't know what to expect. I don't either. Do we have to? Is this one of those secret events? Is this a secret event? I think we're we are in like some all access pass. I'm looking at producer Brian right now. He's nodding his head. We're not going to get turned away at the Hopefully booth. Not. I hope not. I got turned away once. I don't oh, know if I've ever told you that. I think I remember. Was this New Orleans? Uh, well, I've gotten turned away a lot of times then. But uh, that was also the time I got turned away. Uh, one time in New York, it was uh, it might have been MRMW in New York. Huh. I went for workshop day. I wasn't signed up for workshop oh, day. No. And so I had a tourist day. I hopped on a double-decker bus. That's I went awesome. and saw the city. It was just me just uh, living my best uh, Carrie Bradshaw this day. This wasn't President Adam Jolly. No, this was, no, <laughs> this was salesperson. Yeah. I feel like the uh, time has come where I can finally reveal this story that I didn't work for a day. <laughs> right. I just went and saw the city. And, like, yeah. uh, I was very much uh, Carrie Bradshaw that yeah. day. Workshop day. Let's, well, let's do let's it. I want to learn something. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be – there's two tracks or four tracks. Yeah. I think it's just going to be normal just like speakers. I hope so. Yeah. Um, and I like work, the idea of a workshop better than calling it a session or a speaking session. Yeah. It feels less salesy. Like you can have like conversations with people. Exactly. Right? I want to get, I want to get dirty and sit at a table with people I don't know and talk about stuff. I'm with you. Um, so that being said, IIEX next week, what are you most excited for? I mean, just the whole thing is my favorite conference of the year because it's three day, exhausting three days of 20 to 30 minute sessions, just crazy running around. I probably will barely see you for those three days. Yeah. And we have a couple other people going. I'll rarely see them. Um, I'll learn a ton. This is where we learned about a lot about blockchain last year. It was just kind of got punched in the face at IX 2018 with blockchain. So maybe some maybe we'll get punched in the face with some new topic this year. But I mean kudos to Lenny to just throw in this new topics and I mean moving to Austin so we can grow, change the time of year, which is messing with everybody. But um, excited to see new people, new growth, new topics I'm yeah super excited about everything. What about you? i'm most excited to see like what is this year's blockchain like what is yeah. it's going to take over and kind of lead us into the next year um I, i'm most ex- just to see the people that i feel like iax carries a different crowd than yeah. all the other conferences um it's a different type i don't know austin might be completely different because i know in atlanta i'm kind of used to those the hallway of exhibitors yeah uh, where you're just like you could be standing in between and then you're in a conversation Right. Uh, with somebody that has a booth. Um, it, was, it always felt like real organic to me. Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited about that. And we've got uh, yourself, me, uh, Tony Brown, and Jason MPs. I think we're all getting in, or in t- around 10 yeah. that first day um, or somewhere between the afternoon of that first day. And then the wire event is at night. Yeah. Yeah, it should be great. We're big wire supporters. Huge wire number supporters. Number two company of the year, wire. Yeah. And, and you know what? Watch out number one. Yeah. Here we come. Yeah. We're coming to Europe for you. <laughs> well, that means our uh, guest this week is from a company that I, I think will be at IAX and that's Sentient Decisions. That's Clint Taylor. Uh, Clint's kind of a, a four person on blockchain. He knows a lot about it. He was really f- jumped on that bandwagon first. And we've had a lot of conversations with him about that. And uh, I think one of the big things that Clint's going to talk about is like blockchain simplified instead of what is the application of like market research? What is the revenue application? What is that type of thing for blockchain? Yeah. So if you're not a blockchain expert, like... I think I am now, but if you're right. newer to blockchain and market research, this is probably a good interview to listen to. That's right. So uh, keep an eye out for us at IIEX. Again, it would be Adam Jolly, Brian Lamar, Jason Enderhees, and Tony Brown. We're excited to see you. We'll be at the Wire event. Uh, we'll be at the Zappy Store event. We'll be, uh, I think a lot of us will be at that SMR lunch. 
Uh, we'll definitely be at the Thursday night thing as well, which we put on. Um, and if not, just see us around the hallway. We'll be happy to meet with you. Uh, we can talk about sample. We can not talk about sample. You want to just talk about what's going on? I feel like that might be more applicable, right? Throw Mount Rushmore at us. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Please talk about the podcast too. Give me a rant. Like I would love if somebody just stopped and shook me and said, I want to talk about something real quick. I want to yell in your face about something. Uh, with that being said, let's get off to our interview. And it's Clint Taylor of Sentient Decisions. All right. Joining us now is Clint Taylor from Sentient Decisions. Clint, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing really good. How is, is it springtime in New Hampshire yet or no? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it technically is, but it's flirting with us. You know, I think I think winter is trying to uh, breathe some, some final last gasps here. Um, and uh, you, you just never know what to wear at any certain time of the day. You know, I'm wearing a winter jacket at 8 a.m. and I'm in a T-shirt by 1 p.m. Oh, that's the way. Like 30 degree, 40 degree difference. Oh, totally. I mean, it's just, it's refreshing, uh, and you get to get outside, and get some sun. You know, I can uh, sun my, my my pasty white shaved head here. It's it's really nice. <laughs> That's great, well, Clint. Talk to us a little bit. This is kind of the the biggest part for us, and the biggest part that people listen to the podcast love to hear about the origin story. So, how did you get started in market research? Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, luckily, uh, you know, Aaron Reed, who, who I believe is just, just the, the, the foremost thought leader in the world about implicit uh, behavior right. research. Um, you know, Aaron uh, works essentially in my hometown here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And so I did a small job for him uh, when I was doing uh, mobile and web software apps a few years ago, visualizing some data. And we always kept in touch. And so so one day he, uh, you know, I, I was like, hey, you know, I'm looking around for another position. Uh, what are you guys doing over there? And, and we met for like half a day. And he, and he says, essentially, after whiteboarding a bunch of things, he says, I want us to be the global leader in implicit research technology. Wow. And at first, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? What is that? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, and then after we, he explained sort of like, you know, that, like at the top level what it is. Um, and I looked at exactly, I dug into the science, uh, the scientific methodology of what it takes to run uh, effective priming. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you know what? Um, I think we can do this, actually. And I think we can do this. Now, this is like, you know, five-plus years ago. Right. Almost six years ago. Like, I think we can do this and execute it on any computer, any tablet, any smartphone, anywhere in the world with an internet connection. So that's where I think we can go with this and then embed it into any mobile app. And so he was all about it. And I actually started out on a trial. I'm like, listen, I can't explain it all right now, but you try me for 90 days and see what I'll do. Uh, and I guarantee that you're going to see uh, the ROI in this as we, as we proceed. And so we, we did. Uh, I, I dug into tons of scientific white papers, um, understanding I mean, all the methodology behind it. Um, I worked with Aaron on creating the, the patent application for this, really detailing what can be done with technology. And then, honestly, uh, when you consider the life cycle of software development, uh, I would say a very short eight months later, we, uh, we came out with, with Sentient Prime. Um, and we, we demoed it at TMRE, uh, live in front of an audience. And we were collecting actual implicit, uh, you know, quantified implicit reads from the audience with their associations between some brands that we were testing and some, uh, some discrete emotions. Uh, and so that was really how it all started. And then from there, uh, it gets into a lot of sales engineering where we're going to all these events, explaining uh, what you know, exactly what it is. He's tackling the science. I'm tackling uh, the, the tech. Right. But I've had to learn so much of the science 
in order to properly explain why we're doing what we're doing, why you see what you see when you're using the application. Yeah, I, I guess my question is because I've sat through some of the demos and some of the things that I'm just blown away every time I go to a conference to see Aaron speak and things. And I guess, what do you hear back from clients? Like the first time, because this is a new idea, like this is very innovative and that's why I, I feel like it gets such a spotlight at IEX also. What what is what are clients saying? What are prospects here when they first get this idea? When they first see these presentations? Yeah, that's a really good question, and and I can answer that by saying it's really evolved over the years as these events and as you know innovators in the industry, pioneers in the industry, uh, have really come forth with with new and innovative techniques, especially with with measuring uh, the the non conscious drivers of behavior. So at first, it started with okay, what is this and how does it work? Um, okay, and so I see this brand and then I have to make a decision. And so how does that uh, turn into this quantified index of my association between, you know, Coca-Cola and refreshing? Um, so it turned from like, what is this and who are you guys? And then over the past like two years, it, it just, it, it was awesome to see that uh, kind of mature into, hey, I've heard of you guys and my boss said I need to come see you. Um, so it's more, uh, we, we get a lot more, um, you know, uh, intuitive questions. It's not so much of a, what is this? It's, it's like, all right, exactly how does this part work? So people are slowly getting it. Um, and they are blown away by the, by the technology. Uh, and especially when they hear that we can embed it in any survey software, which was by design from day right. one, uh, when we really went to the drawing board and understood that, okay, you're never going to get, or you're rarely going to get an implicit read on its own. It's always combined with conscious measures because that's how decisions are made. It's both non-conscious and conscious. So we got to build this thing, not just so it can run independently, but run uh, in conjunction with any other uh, survey software. So it took a lot of uh, studying to understand, all right, how do other software platforms hand off to us? How can we then hand back? Um, so on and so forth. So if that answers your question, that's essentially what we hear from people. Uh, it's my, now a lot of, oh, this is awesome. How do I get it into my survey platform? How do I read the data? How do I integrate it with my existing data? Um, and so we've shaped our, our, uh, our presentations, our knowledge base, our sales pitches, our marketing to answer those questions before people ask them. Wow, now. that's huge. Now, uh, hey, Clint, this is Brian. I, I'm just impressed that you're kind of like a scientist and you can talk at like a, a more of a researcher level. And that's just super impressive and it's tough on our industry. And do you feel that way? Is it, is it a challenge for you all when you talk about something that's really sophisticated and when most of the buyers are probably... I mean, they're good researchers, but they're not like super scientists with PhDs. Yeah, um, I think that is a combination of a few things. And working with Aaron, who's you know at the top of his game, um, you know that's a that's a that's a tough act to you know to really not so much follow, but to um, to collaborate with every day. I mean, he's such on a high level, so I've had to elevate my game to to do that. Um, and yeah, when I went out there, um, I definitely had this this feeling of like, wow, I'm explaining I'm explaining some kind of basic what I think basic scientific stuff to you. Aren't you the researcher? Shouldn't you know this stuff? You know, um, and, and it wasn't pejorative. Uh, it was just like, 
you know, it just helped me shape how I had to talk to people. Um, and so, yeah, it's really been through like a, like a trial by fire where, um, you know, I'm coming in as a technologist, uh, but in order to pitch this and sell this, which, you know, it's about technology, but, you know, I can, I can make the, 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 the greatest technological marvel you've ever seen uh, that makes absolutely zero point zero dollars. You know, so I had to get out there and actually talk about this in a way that would uh, show that it, no, this is actually commercially valuable to you. And so it took uh, explaining things on a tech level, on a scientific level, and on a business level. And that's what we say internally. I mean, we merge those three. It's science technology and business and at that intersection is where we always have to be playing always have to consider all those three so definitely trial by fire answering uh, questions especially these like you know the international conferences where now you know you're combining these uh, these pretty difficult questions with accents and stuff i'm trying to understand I'm like okay if i understand what you're saying is how here's how i answer it um so yeah, a lot a lot of booth work <laughs> and trial by fire, just answering from you know, questions from PhDs, from technologists, from business folks alike. Well, let's kind of shift gears a little bit from sentient to talk about blockchain. I do you know what blockchain is? I don't really know what your expertise level is. No, 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 no I don't know what it is. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, um, you know. I actually, I was in a, I was at SMR Fusion in Dublin uh, a few months ago, about six months ago, and um, I actually got approached by by a qualitative guy who said that, that was the the easiest explanation of blockchain I've ever heard. Uh, and so, I mean, the way that I, I explain it to people um, is that uh, look, picture all of us here in a room, and we all have this document. Okay, now I make a change to the document. And you see what I made. You know, I mean, let's just say I, I type my name or I, I type, you know, spring into it. You see, I made that change. Everybody sees that. Um, you know, and let's say, let's say Brian, you know, types in, hey, uh, I'm feeling great today. Okay. And everybody sees that change. Um, now, we're all sharing this document. We all see the change. It's like a Google Doc. You know, we're all seeing it. Um, and so, you know, everybody makes a change and you see what the changes were and you see when they were made. Uh, and so, so, so essentially, um, the fact that we all had this document, uh, it, I had this document uh, that, that essentially, if I can see all these changes and you can, and they're all the same, that means that essentially it, it's, it's a ledger. It's a ledger of changes that were made to, to, the, to a document. And it's sort of incorruptible uh, by the fact that if you try to go and change a past thing, you know, let, let's say if, you know, let's say if, uh, you know, Brian called me, a, you know, wrote down, hey, Clint's a jerk, you know, a while ago, uh, and then tried to erase it. Well, you know, my copy, everyone else's copy is not going to match uh, the only copy that Brian has. So we're going to look at it and say, hey, actually, our history is different than yours. And so you're trying to make a change to this that, is, that doesn't, that runs against what everybody else has. And we're going to say that's wrong. So we're not going to allow it. I mean, that's essentially what what the power of blockchain is. It's simply a document where you can see any change that was made. And so I think what makes blockchain so confusing to to a lot of people is that we confuse what it actually is, which is which is that I'm hoping fairly simple explanation with how it's used. It's like we jump right into cryptocurrency right. you know we jump right into okay you know we're going to track your sample and exactly where it came from we're going to track you know the fish that's on your plate and exactly where it was sourced 
Um, if you can separate those two, um, you understand, you understand like, all right, so what would you do with such a document? Um, well, you use it to make money. Um, if it's that secure, right. Okay. Make it a financial ledger. Uh, you know, make it like a, you know, almost like a, a bill of materials or, you know, if you're tracking uh, the source of something. And so if that makes sense, um, you know, that's what blockchain is. And then now we've applied it to financial ledgers, you know, uh, applied it to, uh, to right. sourcing things and proving authentication of things and people. But that's what it is. Hopefully that maybe demystifies some of it. I think it does. I, yeah, because I'm with you. We jump right into application, right? And that was actually going to be my next question is what is the market research application? But I think sometimes that clouds things because we neatly go into how can this thing make us money instead of finding the right use for it and really like removing the bias that we have. Because every person I've talked to has some kind of separate entity that they're like, man, this is going to make us a ton of money. It doesn't necessarily line up with maybe what blockchain we best use for. You have a bias. Oh, Totally. Yeah, and, and I think uh, and, you know there are some there are some fantastic blockchain initiatives going on right now. I mean, you have you have the Measure Protocol right. guys, uh, you know, Paul Neto over there. Um, you see, uh, you have uh, the, the Opinion Economy, uh, Ted Waz. You have uh, the Veriglyph. Yeah, that's just a that's just a team of rock yeah, stars over there. Working in conjunction. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, Lenny over there, Rolf Swinton, uh, so on. Um, and so, I mean, there are some just outstanding and, and really impressive uh, aspirations uh, and initiatives for blockchain. And I think what we're seeing now, especially with the fallout of you know, the cryptocurrency market um, and uh, a lot of press saying that, yeah, there's a lot of blockchain initiatives and none are really uh, making money right now. Um, I think what we're seeing right now is uh, is being held accountable for not just creating uh, something that's uh, that's uh, blockchain based, but creating something that's going to make money. Um, and so uh, all the blockchain initiatives are essentially going to be held uh, accountable for. All right, so you have blockchain; that's fantastic. How is it more valuable uh, than an alternative? Uh, offering that doesn't have blockchain. Right. And so I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. I think most of us in Sample are hopeful that the companies you mentioned, Veriglyph and Measure Protocol and the OEB, can provide impressive benefit over what the current offer. What, do you have any idea of when we can start expecting, like for the layman, when can we start expecting to see some benefits and news from them, like? other than just kind of press releases and marketing material. Do you think that'll be this year or we, should we look for next year? I think, I think at a minimum, you're going to start seeing it, um, I'd say later this year, maybe like a Q4. Uh, you know, if you look at uh, what they need to do, they got to build this critical mass first. Right. Um, you know, so they got to build a critical mass of, uh, of sample of participants, uh, you know, and get that data going. Uh, now with blockchain, you know, the power in blockchain is that is this immutable historical uh, distributed ledger. Uh, and so, you know, really the power, uh, the power of being immutable, of it being authentic should grow over time. 
Um, you know, if you have uh, three months worth of immutable, authentic uh, ledger there, I mean, that's not as powerful as if right. you have you know, five years worth. Like, wow, this goes back five yeah. years. This is great. So I think they need to build a critical mass in terms of uh, people that are, are, are on that blockchain as well as time. Um, and so we got to give that, you know, sort of time to bake, uh, nine months, 12 months. I mean, it depends on their individual business models and how, how, how much capital they have to, to pursue right. uh, attaining that critical mass. But I would anticipate that you start seeing something towards the end of the year where uh, they start really using uh, what they have built over the preceding months into their, their marketing and into their value prop. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I hope it's later this year. I'm, I'm personally, I hope for some disruption in the industry. I think that would be good, some new innovation. And it's probably the biggest disruption potential that we've had in a long time. And so I'm super, super hopeful. Yeah, and and I would ask you guys, um, you know, being being in sample, is it's like so when you consider when you compare rather what these these great teams are doing with blockchain and sample, and saying we are going to provide you the really, the most authentic sample, and it's, we're doing it because we have blockchain. Um, you know, how much more valuable is that than uh, say a competitor saying, oh well. Here's what we do: we certify yeah. that all of the sample you see is authentic. You know, is it that much more valuable that the fact that 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 authenticity is on blockchain versus you know, say, trusting a, a third party to make it a much more compelling offering in the industry? It's it's immensely more valuable to me because it. It really is almost third pali- third party validated as well, rather than just some certification that you have. Um, and having it on blockchain is a universal form. It's almost like remember a couple of years ago when everybody was running to get ISO certified. It's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Like it's or, or like if you get some kind of JD Power seal. Like those are like third party proven certifications that you can have. And blockchain kind of gives another layer above that. And I think that's better than what any panel can claim or, or some kind of verification that they can go through. Um, at the same time, like I'm, I'm scared to death of a panel because of how many real engaged actual people do I have. And so I think that might be something that maybe it slowed down the critical mass to get to the amount of people that we need in blockchain is because no panel is sprinting to dump their panel into it. Yeah. Uh, and so I feel like that's right. where you've seen kind of a pivot into where they're going after databases, they're going to the non-double opt-in traditional panels that we have and just like, let's get a bunch of databases, let's set up almost like siloed communities that we can connect later in blockchain. Um, and I think you're gonna have the same effect, like it's gonna be a great thing for reaching that critical mass of sample size. Yeah, I really hope so. Um, you know, I have concerns right now, and they're not concerns so much that it will never happen, but concerns regarding, say, uh, privacy models in blockchain. Right. Um, I have some some pretty big concerns regarding scale. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there, there doesn't seem to be a um, like a silver bullet answer for scaling the uh, volume of transactions that you can run on a blockchain model. Um, without compromising some of the fundamental uh, qualities of the blockchain being public and distributed um, and have multiple copies all over the world. 
So I'm really interested to see how that goes. And I think that really um, is where a technologist has to, to play um, in, in these initiatives, which is you got to look at what the rest of the world is doing with blockchain and see how you know the rest of the world uh, providing motivation for developers to uh, really increase the, uh, the capacity in terms of volume uh, of transactions on a blockchain uh, that will that will provide sort of a framework that it will become commercially available that you can use as well that we can use in the industry uh, to achieve the same kind of volume. So it's just as much about studying what everybody else is doing as it is about you know, architecting what you're doing internally. Yep. I love that there's all these new smart people in our industry. Like I, I'm learning so many new terms like chain ninja and I, I didn't know this claudio lima i don't know if you know him he's with oed he's a gdpr expert and um, yep rolf you mentioned he can play with strengths and i know that the measure people are super smart so i'm i'm hopeful that all of these really really smart people are somewhat newer to our industry can kind of figure out how to scale this and, and leverage it i'm with you uh, I, I would love to see it i think it's going to uh you know that you know, rising tide lifts all yeah. boats type of uh of, of system here that's great well, let's shift now into our four p's um clint tell us playlist first uh what are the last three songs or last three artists that you've listened to oh i am i am big into to hip-hop especially old school <laughs> stuff uh so um a lot, lot of jay-z um, some tribe called Quest uh, this morning, and the Roots definitely. Oh my gosh, the Roots! Ah, oh. I, <laughs> I love. I've put uh, on I've the, the Roots a couple of times here just to get people to not think that they're just Jimmy Fallon sidekicks. <laughs> they're amazing. It, it, exactly. I, I mean, I've been listening uh, uh, since like you know, the, the Do You Want More and Illidale Half Life days. Yeah, put on the scene. Totally. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, let's go to the next piece. Pride. What's your biggest source of pride? My kids, especially my, 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 my yeah. middle son. He, uh, he's an amazing kid. We work together very closely and the strength that he has and the perseverance that he has shown at, at a, at a fresh 13 years old with what he's been through in his life, um, has made me such a better, I mean, forget about being I mean, a better father a better professional, a better person, a better communicator. Uh, it's pretty unbelievable um, what, what what these guys have done for me. Oh, that's huge. That's awesome. It was hard to follow David Butler. That was pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Doing my best to keep up. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Talk to us about uh, Perform. So what's something we don't know about you? What's something that nobody knows? Maybe you have a hidden talent or, or is there something that – not a lot of people in the industry know. Oh man, I kind of leave it all out on the table when I talk to people. Um, so, yeah, something, something I actually uh, I I, un, I sort of unveiled in in Dublin at SMR Fusion. Uh, the first uh, version of Sentient Prime, where we were uh, scheduled to uh, we were scheduled to demo it live at TMRE. Uh, so six weeks prior, I got into a head-on collision at like forty-five miles an hour. Um, luckily I was okay. All that it did was just, was snap my wrist back. Um, and so, and we had six weeks to go and we were scheduled to demo it. So I essentially programmed the, uh, the remainder of the sentient prime application one handed. <laughs> um, 
This is, wow. Not quite one hand, but let's say one and a half handed. But I had like this swollen hand, <laughs> you know, all casted up, and my fingers were like hot dogs. Um, and just trying to, you know, type. And I had this ridiculous setup where it's like I had had it on a on a milk crate, and I was elevating my uh, my keyboard up to like my eyeballs, and so that I wouldn't throb. And so I'm I'm programming this thing and getting it ready. So um, you know, hidden talent. Uh, let, let, let's throw one-handed programming of uh, implicit <laughs> research software in there. <laughs> oh, that's good. Last one. Our last one is our Mount Rushmore for people. So I know uh, you have a topic, right? What are the? What's your topic for your Mount Rushmore? I, I'm, a, I'm a huge avid reader uh, of things. Yeah. Uh, typically, I like to say you know crap that nobody else reads, um, but. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, top four books. Uh, I mean, I have I have tons, so it's hard to pick four. But uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by Kahneman, uh, absolutely yeah. have to read that if you're going to be in this industry. You got to understand both sides of the conscious and non-conscious mind. System one, system two, uh, decision making. Uh, I mean, actually read it, you know, and and perhaps take notes in the margins. Uh, another one uh, for me, The Open Society and Its Enemies by Sir Carl, Sir Karl Popper. This was written in the 40s. Um, it was really about how it was It was just this sort of assault on totalitarianism and how we've been conditioned to not bring science, you know, true, free scientific inquiry into politics and what's that? what that has costed us over the course of of hundreds of years it just really opened my eyes an absolute beast to read but if you can get through it um it'll change you um fool by randomness by nasim taleb um you know he's a super huge skeptic so i mean you can't i don't take everything i take some things he has with a, with a grain of salt but he he cites kahneman a lot and, and he really talks about um how you can't go overboard with scientific in, scientific inquiry how a lot of things in this world are due to the fact that there are so many variables that it's luck it's happenstance um and he's cool with people making uh, decisions based on scientific inquiry about certain things. But when it comes to like like uh, choosing what to do with people's financial portfolios, uh, making decisions in wartime and battle, if you're not considering randomness and you're uh, sort of stuck in this uh, very uh, you know, uber confident mindset where I can analyze anything and figure it out with just numbers, you are totally doing yourself and society a disservice. So it's really cool stuff. Um, and then finally, uh, Originals by Adam Grant, which is a fantastic, yeah. easy read. What, it, it, seriously, one of those books where – those rare books where I finish it and I'm like, man, I should have read that years ago. Yeah, I agree. I love that book. So those are my four. Brian, any books from you, Brian? You don't have to go to Mount Rushmore. I can't even top that. That is amazing. Yeah. I wish I read more. I, I reference the current book we're reading. So Clint and our, we have an executive team that we have a book club kind of, and we're currently reading The Radical Candor by Kim Scott, which I reference all the time. It's about how to, you know, in our office and even outside of the office relationships and how to communicate and just build trust with people. And especially, it's very important in our environment. But, but it's a good list you had. That's awesome. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I got three. I got I. I, I we read uh, another book we read in our was Multipliers by Liz Wiseman, which was great for me for 2017 going into 2018. Really kind of sparked my uh, wanting to change roles at EMI and kind of my progression of my career. And then uh, I'm reading two books right now, which is like the worst mistake you can do. 
Uh, <laughs> but I'm reading uh, Wind by Daniel Pink, which is kind of about timing and, and the importance of time and like how sometimes just timing lines up and it kind of changes how I approach my day and how I allocate resources. And then along with that, I'm reading uh, Calm the F Down by Sarah Knight, uh, which is, again, another thing. It, it's kind of just a prioritizing book, right? Like you have a limited amount of resources, whether that's time, whether that's emotion, whether that's um, really anything about what you can care about and what you shouldn't care about. And uh, I think that it applies both personally, but also in business as well. And like, you know, following your passions, following your purposes, instead of just getting drawn out in every direction just for the sake of movement. Uh, but man, that's an awesome list. Brian, you wrote them down, right? Yeah, well, yours too. I mean, I, I, I love Daniel Fink. I mean, yeah. Drive is, I, I look at Drive all the time on my bookshelf and I open it up and I go into my notes yeah. and everything. Um, and like, like when I read, it's like, um, yeah, it's funny. I was at a, I read at a coffee shop typically and, and this, and this girl's like, so what are you studying now? I'm like, what? I'm just reading. Like, no. You're studying. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine. I'm studying. You know, I'm taking notes and everything. I'm, I'm, I'm dog earing. I'm writing in the margins. I'm, I got a separate notebook. I'm taking notes. She's like, no, you're studying. I'm like, okay, fine. That's right. You got not to visual student. Clint, uh, do you have any rant you want to give? I mean, I feel like this whole thing is kind of been a rant with blockchain, but. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's funny. I, I, I try to be careful with rants. You sure. know, I don't have a lot to complain about. Um, and I definitely want to, uh, you know, keep it keep it civil. Um, but I mean, if I had, I mean, rant in the true spirit of a rant, you know, say uh, uh, something I wanted to say, complain about a little bit. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, you know, I would. The industry is dedicating itself to, you know, to technology uh, enable enablement and automation and everything. And the one thing I always, I never liked was that whenever you go to present at any, at, at most events, you know, you're kind of hamstrung. Like you really can't do any live technology demos. Um, you, there's no, you know, no internet access. You got to package all your stuff up in a nice little PowerPoint and send it over, you know, with your whatever, 150 gigs of video, you know, instead of streaming it um, and then and run it right there. And I remember back when we demoed Sentient Prime, I said, "Oh hell with this! We're gonna we're gonna do it live." Everybody else is doing these nice polished case studies and PDFs and everything. No, we're gonna put our neck on the line. We're gonna demo it live, um, and so we were able to. And that was only because I was in the back while Aaron was talking. I was like with the AV guys, going, "Okay, switch this now. Do this now. Okay, connect here. Do that." Um, so I really wish that a lot of events would uh, would really uh, allow some more flexibility with those who were capable of producing uh, a presentation where you had, say, you know, live streams, live feeds, uh, you know, a live uh, dashboard showing results from the audience you know, demoing a piece of software right then and there. I'd love to see that, but I see it's a lot of a lot of uh, I see it as being hamstrung a lot with okay, no internet. <laughs> Uh, give us your yeah. PowerPoint, but we yeah. can advance. You That's know? a great rant. I, we just experienced this, that a conference said, give us your PowerPoint. Can't be bigger than the size. There's no internet access. Give us a week in advance. But it's about an innovation. So that's an awesome rant. Adam, what do you think? I love it. I, I agree. And I'd love to if we can get past PowerPoint in general. Yeah. Uh, could you see so many? I, th I think maybe we are. Like, you know, there is so much more talk about visualization. And so I don't go, I think, as much as I used to, to presentations where it's the person doesn't have to be up there. I could just read what's up there. Wouldn't that be the best presentation? Like, I would give 
I will pay for someone's entrance fee to IIAX if they went there and then they didn't go up on stage and they just clicked through their PowerPoint and you just read all the words of what they wanted to say from the slides. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, it's just like, you know, if we're going to, if, if these if these conferences, yeah. and they do such a good job at promoting innovation and pioneering uh, you know, initiatives, you know, let's just maybe allow some more latitude yeah. to start and start acting like it, you know? Uh, I think you're going to get a lot higher quality presentations, uh, but I, I, it's not lost to me that it's a challenge, you know? It's like some people are just going to. Uh, they're just going to go and f it up. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but it's but it's on them to know what could what could be screwed up and to to essentially accommodate for that. Okay, if this if we don't get a connection here or this dashboard doesn't load, okay, we have this slide to show as an example. Or it's like okay, uh, we don't have it right now. Come back to our booth and we'll and we'll show you. I mean, there those kinds of like Plan Bs you have to yeah. account for. Well, thank you, Clint, so much for coming on. Anything you want to plug anywhere we can find Sentient or anything? I, I go to sentientdecisionscience.com. Go to sentientprime.com. Has uh, everything you need to know uh, about all that all that we do, uh, as well as our, our software as a service platform. Uh, and I mean, it's all there. Um, our guys do, a, do a, our people rather do a, a great job with uh, with producing that that site and promoting all that we do holistically, which is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Well, thank you again for coming on, Clint. And uh, we look forward to the next time. Look forward to hearing more about blockchain. Yeah, yeah. Look forward to talking more about it. Thanks, th- thanks a ton, awesome. you guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.